It made me think of uh, CrossFit athletes, or as yeah. I like to call them, uh, functional fitness athletes. <laughs> yeah, yes. To the point where I love that in the book. By the how way. much that strength training impacts their endurance work. Now it's much more sports specific. Yeah, in cross in, in functional fitness. functional fitness, or yeah. like as a sport, fitness as a sport. Dane, you've seen this countless times, but like people at home with the headphones on in the car driving through or just, you know, sitting at work blasting through a computer speaker, probably not the best audio quality, but you know, you got to make do playing at a low enough volume. So whoever the boss is, is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Listening and they're like ascension phase, you know, you did what exposure phase comprehension. It's like finally the volume is done and I get to go heavy and you're sitting there and you're just thinking I can m probably max out. I'm going to start taking PR attempts. All my work's going to pay off. So every time you go into the gym, you can chase that number, especially if you get a ramp week, right? Right. You're going for it. And you know, you probably have one, two goals depending on how long you've been training. Like say it's like, all right, I know week three, I see the there's a seven by one on the minute there i get to go and max out my snatch and on that seventh attempt if not that sixth attempt i'm taking a pr attempt if i'm hitting my lifts and next thing you know you don't just hit that pr by one kilo it's four kilos and you're like damn right that's why i train parabolic periodization with garage strength <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good man thank you i appreciate that I'm I'm pretty excited, but before we get into talking about that further, the Masters of Sport podcast is sponsored by Peak Strength. So Peak Strength is an app personally designed by myself using the training methods of parabolic periodization, which you so eloquently just designed. And if you head over to peakstrength.app, you can pick up the app today for seven free days of training and, and inside the app you can go in and say you know i'm a football player i'm a defensive lineman and you can actually select that and what's going to end up coming up is that then you can also select how much equipment that you have available um and then you can even select how many days you want to work out and it's going to produce a program that we have trained it to produce specifically to your needs uh, and inside that programming there's also going to be uh, specific rest intervals uh, you're going to be able to track your weights you're going to be able to have mobility. So all of this is basically like having garage strength in your pocket. So again, head over to peakstrength.app and pick up seven free days of Peak Strength app today. This podcast is also sponsored by Garage Strength Equipment. You can head over to garagestrength.com and pick up a power elastic or a single leg roller today to help you improve those unilateral gains. Bam. My right leg's been acting up. I've been noticing that when we talk about unilateral gains. So I was at my son's indoor soccer game. Now the kid's a trooper because he played it with 101 fever. Today it was up to 102, but he did this the other day. Anyway, you could tell like he was off. Yeah. And he's not like, he's not a kid like you watch playing. You're like, oh, he's going to be real. He's just like, you know, he's there. He's having fun. My kid will throw his arms back and do the Naruto run. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's who he is. Like that. Is Sanderson to the team, yeah. by the way. Like, <laughs> so he's playing or whatever, and I'm in a squat with my back up against the wall just like because I'm sick of standing and I want to do that. And every time my right leg, 
my knee. I can just, I, I have to like do a little like yeah. shimmy to be like, all right, let's stand up now. And it's not my knee. It's actually because of my ankle. So it's like a little tight or something. Yeah. And then like your knee, your knee gets put into a weird position. Uh-huh. You're, do you ever, so I, I'm not The importance like, of unilateral gains though. Well. Single leg rollers. I wanted to mention, dude, the single leg roller, I feel like since I started running, as soon as I hit that for like a set of like 10 on each leg just to warm up, uh-huh. I feel so freaking good. Yeah. Uh, my uh, anecdotal sharing of absurdities that I wanted to, that you, when you were just talking about that, sometimes I'll go to Lincoln's hockey practice and mm-hmm. I'll like squat down the way you sort of talked about and I'll sit, I'll like sit on the bleachers but squat on them. And I've had multiple times where I'll stand up pretty quickly and I feel like now I'm starting to get older because I'll stand up and then I'll get lightheaded. <laughs> and I'll be like, that's a dietary thing. I'm probably like, more than yeah, anything. Like, Am I dehydrated? Did I not eat yeah. enough today? Am I going to be the old guy that falls over on the bleachers and like passes <laughs> out from standing up too quickly? Dane, since you started running, I wanted to comment like you almost look like a bobblehead. <laughs> Except instead of the bobblehead starting with the head, it like starts from the pecs up. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, geez, that's bad. That is bad though. That's like the one thing my mom has always said that I can't lose too much weight because uh if I get down too low, I will look like a lollipop. And I was like, well, Mom, I'm not going to, like, stop lifting. Let me see your tootsie roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about the ascension phase, if you didn't pick that up yet. Um, listeners, YouTube viewers, like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Five stars, if whatever podcast medium you're getting it through. I don't know. What do people listen to podcasts on? What, do we, what, do, we post, what do we post this on? Yeah. Spotify? Is it like Spotify? I I had a couple people like, comment they like the Spotify uh, graphics by the way. Oh, good job. Yeah. Graphics people. That's Trevor. Trevor. I would say All right, wherever you're listening. One of the 12 potential ones. Yeah. Listen up. All right. So, if you didn't pick up on it, the ascension phase is when parabolic periodization shifts from volume to intensity. Yeah. With the caveat, volume never actually goes down in parabolic periodization, but within parabolic, it shifts. Yep. Like intensity becomes the focus. I think how you painted that day, that seven singles. Yeah. That's pretty, it's pretty, that's like a good, like, look, you might do like seven, eight, ten singles, and you might still have like two triples following up that. Yeah. Or you might do two triples ahead of that. With drop sets, something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and depending on the athlete too, a lot of times certain things like, you know, you will know certain athletes need a certain lift to trigger. And that may be summit phase more too, like yeah. prepping there, but a little bit of both. Yeah. So let's talk about the ascension phase. All right. We shift to the intensity. Why do we shift to intensity now? Like what's the point? What's, what's the why? Okay. So I think, I mean, I, one, that's a really good question because first, I think it's important to clarify that like the system of training, so parabolic periodization was essentially like built upon this foundation upon specifically throwing and weightlifting. And so at its, at its like deepest root, that's where I think you tend to start to see, um, an athlete really take form or take shape where 
you know, they're starting to squat heavier. They're starting to bench heavier. Or they're starting to clean or snatch or power snatch or, you know, behind the neck jerk, whatever it is. You start to see them lift a little bit heavier and they they start to be a little bit more motivated in the weight room. It's like, oh, I, I can go in and push these these singles a little bit more, these doubles or these triples. I can, I can hit a bigger squat than I've ever hit. I've ever hit before. And it's more quantifiable at that point. One mentally, but two, you also start to notice that athletes during this time frame like get a, just a little bit twitchier when they're, when they're getting into, you know, like an athlete day or an impulse day. And so I think going back to it, it really is just based off of, you know, the, the basis of those sports, those two sports, weightlifting, you've got to lift heavy. So there's a point where like sports specificity is lifting heavy. Yes. You know, and then for throwing, one of the ways that we prime throwers is, you know, you might do heavy sets and then do drop sets really, really fast. So like, uh, like pad benches or, or jump squats. They were down there pad benching when I walked on through. Right. Yeah. Cause they have us indoors in two weeks. So it's like, the fact that that's what this is based off of is like now when we started to look at in the summertime leading into camp for football, um, we needed to make sure that our guys were, were able to go in if we had offensive linemen, 12, 15 singles on the minute. So it would it would sort of like resemble that first quarter that you're starting to establish yeah. the rhythm in the first quarter. Um, and and basically what it is is like, all right, it's taking these two sports where that are they're extraordinarily power based or or impulse based if if we would explain it in that sense is like and a blast impulse m much more i guess weightlifting has a sustained a impulse a especially a with a clean and jerk like yeah, but the jerk the actual dip in the drive yeah is blast know, yeah so it's like if we take these two sports that are so power based you will be hard pressed to find another sport that doesn't benefit from and this is going to sound absurd I've even heard, you know, I used to train with an 800-meter runner from Canada named Gary Reed, one of the be like best Canadian 800-meter runner of all time. Ran a 143 and 8. Like, literally. That sounds fast. He's a, a world silver medalist. I think um, it takes me that long to run one 400-meter. <laughs> yeah, Not really, yeah. but. It's absurdly yeah. fast. He used to talk about how he trains like throwers. And he'd, say, he'd joke, but he'd be like, no, seriously. Like, I need to have as much speed as I can. And I need to have as much power as I can so that my stride. You know, and the 800 meters is a much longer sprint. Yeah, yeah, it's the longest sprint. Like basically. I would, I would gander or I take a guess that anyone on the couch listening right now would struggle mightily sprinting 800 meters. Yeah, you would puke everywhere. Yeah. So these and these are like, think about cross myself country. included. Yeah, uh, myself <laughs> included as well. It's like cross country, for it's like. You would you take cross country runners and you mold them with a sprinter and you get an eight hundred meter guy. So it's like when when he would say that it would be a joke, but it's like that's what this system is based on. Is that it transfers really well to pretty much every sport because even in something like an eight hundred meters, you know Gary would still do a decent amount of mileage. He would still do a lot of stuff on a bike, or he would still do a lot of even to a point work on like a treadmill or whatever. He'd get a lot of volume that way, but he would still want to do his power-based stuff, plyometric-based stuff, doing his, his power cleans because that would help him focus on speed. So that's where it's like we've sort of figured out now in this ascension phase especially is that this is pretty much the most important phase. 
And we've understood that all the volume that you build up for almost every single sport as you shift into the ascension phase, the strength qualities of those first couple of lifts are going to transfer to field hockey, to soccer. And by first couple of lifts, you're talking the technical coordination and the absolute strength. strength. Yep. Do you still combine the absolute strength movement? Will you still superset it here? During the ascension phase? Yeah. I think it would depend on the sport. So a sport like soccer, I would. sport like field hockey, I would. Lacrosse, I probably would. Football, I might. Uh, it depends. Like, And that's contrast training type of stuff. Will you still do ab work at this point? Or like I would rather glute do activate. Okay. Yeah, I would rather do contrast in the ascension phase because I want them to, to really start to be more explosive. And I would say, like, this is where it would be if I have running backs, I – probably wouldn't if i have or i probably would if i had linemen i wouldn't because the linemen will die you know they won't be able to recover as quickly before the next you know heavy back squat whereas the running backs can handle that volume so that's like a way to like decrease the volume for the o linemen but still sort of keep that volume a little bit higher for the running back because they can handle it. They, they can handle that recovery a little bit better. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, rewind. When you were talking about your dude Reed and running the 800 meters and how he was like, I train like a, a thrower because I need that power output. And it's a fine line, but it's not quite endurance. It's still a sprint, but like it's a long, long yeah, sprint. Yeah, it's still endurance-based for- and it, it made me think of uh, CrossFit athletes, or as yeah. I like to call them, uh, functional fitness athletes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, to the point where I love that in the book. By the how way. much when th- you were re- when I was reading that, I was like, yeah. I was uh, like, <laughs> how much that strength training impacts their endurance work? Now it's much more sport specific. Yeah, in cross in, in functional t- fitness. functional fitness, or yeah. like as a sport, fitness as a sport. But at the same time, like it makes the endurance stuff easier. It makes it easier because it, it goes back to what Gary had said, where he's like, Let let's just let's just play this game. If every one hundred meters he takes three less strides, okay. If if he takes three less strides every one hundred meters, that's twelve less strides in one lap. That's twenty four less strides over two laps. Yeah. Now compare that, you know. In a world championship race, you know, so if he's taking that much, that's less in theory because it's less energy overall for him. He can produce more force and run faster, which in turn will help him hang with, you know, the top dogs. So it's like and that's why he was a world silver medalist. So it's like I I think that's no joke. Yeah, I think that the big (laughs) factor is like. If if you are more explosive now, he would not be doing as much hypertrophy work. And also the big factor was he also just didn't eat as much. You know, he wasn't eating like a, a, a thrower would be eating. Well, a yeah, because the heavier you are as a runner, like it's going to there's impact a you negatively. Neg- yeah, it so can come across in a he, bad way. He would always talk about basically once or twice a week. He would try to eat a little bit more in excess. But the rest of this week, he was pretty much in a caloric deficit and he would time that base off of his big runs so his surplus would happen the day before like he was gonna have a big run the next day okay so that's where it's like the difference so people might hear that and they'll be like oh well that doesn't make sense but it's like no it does because he's still not training to be this big hulking animal now he might do some hypertrophic work back in the exposure phase to a point just if he's got a nagging injury from the previous season but I think that's where the the actual training system is so dynamic is that you can really figure out like 
based off of sports, you know, and you look at something like a close, a close skilled sport like throwing or close skilled sport like weightlifting, but you can really adapt it to those open skilled sports like football, like, you know, like uh, lacrosse. And even I actually do believe this. And I wanted to talk to you and Trevor about this is that to a point, an 800 meter is actually technically going to be open skilled because they're in and out of lanes. That's the weird part is like it's it's a gray area of that that definition. I actually wanted to bring it up about swimming, too, because swimming can potentially be open skilled. But in by definition, it's closed. I know 100 meter would be closed because they're running in a in a lane. The lane is the lane. Yeah. I still feel like that shift because they all shift to the same lane in the 800 meters. But there's guys that move. They're banging each other. Do they hit each other a lot? Yeah, I guess there there's elements of it. I would not say it's open skilled though yet. Yeah, it's I, like, I wouldn't it's make, like right in this. I would definitely say there's moments of like you have to be athletic from a balance standpoint and understand the surroundings. But I don't think it comes across like it's not open skill yet. There's moments. Yeah, there's finite moments within it, right? Where like a, a sport like football tries to be close skilled, right? Right. Yeah. Like they try to dictate this is what the play will be and what you should be looking for, but in the end, it, it's it's chaos. not that. It's total chaos. And then soccer too. Soccer is, I think, way more advanced in the way the movement has to go. It's absolutely because it's so much more open and the ability levels at the top are so extreme like people don't realize how talented they all are yeah and how competitive it is (laughs) and how much they need endurance and explosiveness like and power output because i think they end up running don't they end up running like a 10k every game yeah and then they also dude then they're also guys that are able to run like four five four six forties like the best guys yeah are fast super fast yeah absurdly fast now the average the average dude is not going to be as Comparative to like the average, you know, if we're talking about the best of the best, the average speed level isn't going to be comparative to like the average speed level in an NFL game, but it's way more endurance based. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot of and to to have technical skill while dealing with the endurance fatigue. And I would say in soccer, too, you have to be much more like transient within the agility parameters. Yeah much more than you do in football dude it's also just hard to it's hard to have agility when you're running with a ball yeah (laughs) like it's and not just running like dribbling like that's one of the things when you watch like young kids like i've been watching mainly because i'm watching my kid do it is like what kid has the sense to like let the ball run yeah before kicking it yeah um and time out the steps properly yeah and then understanding like they're running so they don't necessarily need to kick the ball as much as like just let their foot tap and it goes with it it's it's interesting watching kids who either just intuitively know it because you see it and they're so young versus kids are like they need to be taught how to do that they're trying to figure it out yeah yeah i think that's like going going back to the training is like that's the one factor is that when we're doing the training you know and you're talking about ascension phase training yeah when, when we're in the ascension phase and we're starting to lift heavier is that this really should be also when like the sport coaches are starting to zero in on very specific techniques that they need to optimize in training as well. So what I'm hearing in that statement is when you're in season doing parabolic periodization and like you run into an ascension phase or am I miscommunicating? I'm that? saying like this would be like preseason, like the last six weeks before okay. the season's about to start. That's when I think that 
you're starting to lift heavy. You want to be in peak form within the next like four to six weeks. But that peak form also means that your coaches should be focusing on the absolute most important parameters in the skill that's needed for your sport. You know, whatever that is, football, wrestling, um, you know, by this time, it's like, if you look at like six weeks out for wrestling, uh, at, at least here is like, you're going to start to see now they're getting, now they're getting the preseason tournaments. Yeah. They're, wrestling's starting to pick up in yeah, PA right now. Yeah. Like. And, and, and they're getting into, um, I mean, even now, now I would even say now they're getting really dialed in with their technique. What district is this that you're in? Three. We're not in 11. Yeah. You're not in 11. Chump. <laughs> Everybody listening is like, what does that even mean? If you're from Pennsylvania and you have any like District wrestling knowledge, like District the- 11 is, it's the Lehigh Valley area. It's like, they just put out like state champs. Well, I mean, NCAA champs all the NCAA time. NCAA AA champs. Like, they're, Every year there'll be at least one one final where there's two guys from the Lehigh Valley are yeah, wrestling each other in the NCAA final. Jordan Oliver is a District 11 guy. He's yeah. older now. Like, yeah, but he's still good. He's still yeah, older. I know. He's yeah. real good. Yeah. And just that's all. It's just it's a real tough district. District twelve is Pittsburgh, right? They may say the same thing too. No, I think that's no are, district. Are they what? district? I think they're no, district 12, twelve. Might be might have become Philly. Philly, now. yeah. And then so there's a Pittsburgh's its own district too, which is really strong State wrestling is as well. Six, which is also like there's a couple good schools up there. Yeah, but like district eleven is just a tough district. Like I actually think district three might be the biggest as far as geographic. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, area. Yeah. Ascension face. Big old forearms like Popeye wrestlers, right? <laughs> well, yeah, Lats, exactly. Boom, heavy. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing is it's like when this, you know, going back to that, it's like if if you have an athlete that's building into their heaviest point and they're getting into like peak form, now they're going to be able to apply the technique that they're learning at that stronger like twitch force is what you could really call it. So if they're getting that good work in the weight room, the heavier load, the heavier, you know, the better intensity, they're doing more explosive plyometric work, um, more intense plyometric work. That's when now you're going to dial in the technique because you can also, you're expressing your, you know, the, the, is it like a dial up modem? It takes a long time to connect. Yeah. And then all of a sudden (laughs) during the ascension phase, it actually can work. Yeah. Here you you go. Finally connect. It's tuned in. Yeah. Your Hertz's are on the same. <laughs> Hopefully, no one calls in, so you get kicked <laughs> yeah. off the internet. Only ninety kids, nineties will, we'll will understand. understand. That sound too. <laughs> Jeez. Or do you remember? Was it maybe even a decade ago? Fifteen years ago, the phones, how they would play with the speakers too. I don't like if you had that. a certain phone, it would make a noise when it would ring through with the speakers, or you got a text message. Oh man, I never had that. Uh, all the but time. I didn't get a cell phone till. 2009 2010 um that's when i first got my i think i had a cell phone in 2006 but mine was like a a flip phone not even it was like one of those little ones i was i'm a slow i'm a slow adapter to um technology a lot of times i used to just use my brother's cell phone for people to text me i am low-key a luddite in all those ways like i still read it's funny because earl had an iphone 5 when it was like iphone 10s and i was like or maybe it was like an iPhone. It was 8, old. And I had texted you, and you actually, I remember you texting me back, I'm a utilitarian or a Luddite. And I Alluded. was like, you're yeah. the only person I know that would actually use that term. Yeah, my bad. Sorry. I read too much too often if there is such a thing. <laughs> um, anyway, 
make fun of me more for my old skill beliefs and how to learn at a deeper way. Um, I want to go way back, way back to, I guess, almost branding, but the idea of what it was. Okay. And you were, talk, you were talking at the beginning how parabolic periodization was developed through weightlifters and throwers. Uh, okay. I, and I want to comment, Dane yeah. specifically said to me, he's like, when I think of periodization, I think of it as a shot put or a throwing implement going through the air. And I see this image of a parabola. And it's like, I don't know, it's like this weird like aha moment. And this idea of basing things around that. So then we started thinking through the the phases the phases and naming them and there was very much uh, a purposeful way of saying like Dane would communicate these ideas and it'd be like well how do we get that in one word and eventually we arrived for this phase ascension phase because right. the whole idea was you're going up right the weight's going up it's getting heavy but at the same time you're becoming like that mountain that can just hold it up. Yeah. Like it's not going to overcome you. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? I think, I think the, the one that the, the way I wanted to describe it is like that journey is like when people realize like that, that journey, like I like to look at it as like you're climbing Mount Everest in phases and it's like, you, you know, you're, you're getting exposed to this, you know, crazy weather. You're going to be out on it and it's going to be really, really hard. And, and, and that's like, you know, the first four weeks, right? Then you get into the comprehension phase. You're like, all right, I figured out how to manage this. I figured out how to manage the stress. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep stepping forward. The ascension phase is like, I'm, I'm climbing, dude, I'm in it. I'm going to get this done. And that's how you feel. So when you were describing that seven singles in the beginning yeah, and you were explaining like the, that feeling of like, I'm going to take a big attempt here and maybe it's a one kilo attempt, but then later it turns into five or, you know, anything like that. That's when you're so bought into the process because you're, you literally are ascending through your training and you're ascending mentally as well because you're seeing the transformation occur physically. And then that would take you into the, the next phase. So it's like, to me, that's what makes it so unique in the in the program is that you it's a journey that's you know laid out in the phases but it's also a point where you can almost express it to to the athlete and they can have a direct correlation to what that expression is so you're talking about the athlete now and you were talking about the hypothetical like one kilo oh five kilo pr we know the only athletes that hit the five kilo PRs are the exuberant athletes, yeah, aka yeah. meatheads. Yeah. Because they take those huge like they will literally Lots take that. Let's talk about the athlete reactive analysis within the ascension phase. Okay. Like our Zen athletes, our social athletes, our exuberant athletes. So I think if if you go right away looking at like if I have a Zen athlete, okay. There's, it's very easy to build them up during the ascension phase. It's like, they're just switching from volume, like big, big, you know, like let's say six triples. Now they're doing 10 singles and then you can just slowly just chip away at that greater intensity. And it's pretty easy. The hard part with, if you look at like social athletes is that during the ascension phase, they're anticipating this monster lift. Okay, so you know it's not as it's not as challenging with a, with a team sport because they tend to be 
sort of governed or regulated by the other personalities in a team setting. But if you have you're a, talking about a social athlete here. Yeah, if you have a social athlete now within a team setting, it's a little bit easier to govern that their emotions because usually they'll see it and they want that immediate response. They want to hit this monster lift that we described within week one. And I think the thing is, is it's it's it takes a week or two or, or that third week till you really finally adapt to that that position. So. Dealing during the ascension phase, you know, looking at back at that athlete reactive analysis is like the social athlete is the one that you've got to be concerned about, like getting really down on them themselves early. And I'll, because they become too anticipatory. Yes. Right. And it, I, I it's wanna, like I want it. I want it now. Right. It's more like a, a child behavior instead of like, hey. I don't know, whatever winter holiday a, you why, celebrate. Why is not this happening? Yeah. We're supposed to be throwing farther like. Sorry. Well, not yeah. sorry, Lucas. Lucas, I literally had to write in his program, look, your results this first week, you're going to wish that the shot was going farther and it's not going to be there and understand it's not going to be there yet because you haven't coordinated everything together. It's going to be a delay. And that's the hardest thing for a social athlete to comprehend. Now, if we now, Lucas is also not in a team sport, right? He's an individual, total individual sport. Now, if you look at like a meathead, exuberant, the, yeah, sorry, because the remember, meatheads call meatheads okay, yeah. Someone else calling a meathead a meathead, it's like, what did you say? Yeah, what did you call me? Yeah. Um. So, the exuberant problem is that they see the single, and they want to go for broke immediately. Yeah. And so it's like, that's where like week one, you've got to be like, all right, if we're going to do, you know, talking about football players, if we have that first week that we're going to switch to singles from like triples, you know, cause like you can convince football players to do like hey, the first eight weeks and on the eighth week, I want to hit a max triple and you've got to get it done in 40 seconds and they'll be all in. They'll be like, all right, max triple and power clean. I'll do it. When you switch to singles, they'll see that and it'll be like, yo, are we going big today? Are we going big? And it's like. <laughs> Yes, but let's just keep the jumps at like two or three kilos or like, you know, five pounds yeah. instead of 20. So that's where it's like, it's just, they're the ones that you've got to sort of reel in and be like, but at the same time, know that if they look good, let them go. Yeah. Govern, you know. Yeah. With a little bit coach less Coach them a control. little bit. Yeah. Don't just be like, all right, what weight do you want? And just know that the outcome, you know, they're probably, and they won't be that upset if they miss something big. Whereas the social athlete will be upset if they miss something big because the, the exuberance are so bullheaded that by the week three, it doesn't matter. They will be by that time. They will have already hit something big. I need a personal anecdote here. Okay. So I did a competition. DJ and Jake were coached. Well, DJ was coached and Jake was there. Jake and Haley were loading my weights, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, in the back, I went out and I said, I need a confident lift to start. Like, I just, I need to hit something. And we settled on 110. And at that time, that was three kilos less than the most I've ever hit in a competition. That comp, I went 110, 120, 126. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are those jumps? <laughs> but like, that's, those are jumps I would make because I trained by myself. So I only did a small jump to me was five kilos. Yeah. 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 So, and I was like, DJ on the third attempt, he's like, what's the most you ever snatched? I was like 125. So we put 126 on. Right. And I had to take a, a pull because there was 
too much so time much, yeah. between the 110 and the 120 attempt. Right. And I don't let if I because of my pet going overhead like taxes okay. me. Right, right. I pulled the 120 and I pu- hit my nose. And DJ was like he's he's, he's like, like oh, you just hit good. your nose. He's like you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think that so that is also a benefit. And I think that, you classified me as an exuberant. Huh? Yeah. And and during and also thinking about like all right, now do that for six to eight weeks. You're going to go into that meet with a lot of confidence. Yeah. And you know that you can deal with anything. So no. I, I was just no, that's, silliness that's, around like the personality type stuff. You yeah. were on that. Throw it in there. Um, last thing around ascension phase, the transition into the summit phase. Okay. Um, how can you mess it up? How can you do it well? I think you can do it really, really well. Um maybe still having like a couple like the drop sets like doubles so like let's say week four you know using the football example all right we're gonna do five singles but we're still gonna we're still gonna do four doubles and we're gonna do it on short rest so then when they get into the summit phase you take those doubles out and maybe those four doubles on short rest turn into four singles and i think that's a really easy way to just sort of trick trick out a little bit of their of that extra volume and to lead to more intensity i think um i think the way that you can do it poorly is by pushing too many days in a row like if if we're gonna transition and i'm in like i'll use actually Haley as an example because she's getting close to this with within her next comp i can hear lucas talking downstairs and it blows me away that he's actually still here training <laughs> and we can keep that in the podcast because i just think it's hilarious i can hear him too yeah is that if if we would use using Haley as an example she's in week four right now okay and she's going to transition to ascension phase but i don't want her to get crushed every single day of this phase of this last week i want to set this up so she get she went heavy yesterday heavy pretty heavy today and i want to go two days now where we back off then she's going to have her athlete day and then she'll go heavy on Friday. Now, if I went heavy this whole week and then we transition and then next week she, she feels like trash. It could end up being that like, there's too long of a lag and there's too long of a delay. And by the time you're in week four, there's still this lag on the transition to the heavier mm-hmm. weight. Then you can sort of screw that up. And that's also something that will happen from Ascension to summit phase. Okay. So it's just like being aware of what the lag can be because some people take longer to recover than others and, and you've just got to be aware. And of as it. a coach, it's knowing your athlete, yeah. knowing where it's at, seeing past performances of things and just being aware of that. Yeah. And then also probably experimenting with it too. Like there may be a time where you're like, well, this competition coming up isn't that important. And Let's okay. see yeah, yeah, you what happens yeah. and things like that. Yep, maybe. absolutely. Um, All right. Those of you listening, join our Discord. Join the uh, Discord. I said that right. It felt like it came out of my mouth, silly. Like, <laughs> 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 or, or Reddit, um, subreddit, Garage Strength. Yep. What is it? Sub, it's like R backslash or, or something. Discord and then all Garage Strength. Pay attention to our YouTube community where we post quite a bit. Yeah. And if you haven't, like, follow us, subscribe to the Masters of Sport, yep. Garage Strength. What else is there? Peak strength, weightlifting. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Strength, weightlifting. Strength, weightlifting. And don't forget, our podcast, Master Support Podcast, is sponsored by Peak Strength. Peak Strength is a personally designed strength training program created 
by myself, along with our team here at Garage Strength, created to help you basically have Garage Strength as a coach in your pocket so that you can achieve your goals. Yeah, that's why Dane does so well at Garage Strength because he's a social athlete and he is on a team. That's why we all keep him up. <laughs> he thinks he's an exuberant. He is social through no, no, and I'm through. Zen. I thought you knew I was Zen. Yeah. I handle stress so well. You do. Uh, I've been to concerts with you having fun where you got stressed out. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a great comparison. <laughs> I've been to concerts with you. You're supposed to be having fun here, and you had a panic attack. I didn't say that. <laughs> Even though anyone who's listened to most of the episodes or like is a regular listen like could call back know, to they that. They would know, yeah. Um, all right. This is from Discord. Al, Al- Didac? feel like there was a pun in there that i missed um i was looking through the parabolic periodization book awesome dude person i don't know if you're a dude or not and it mentions that the rep ranges in chart are higher than traditional standard yes there is mentioned that economy of movement and something about the programming allows athletes to work higher than the standard i was curious if anyone could help me understand or clarify what about the program allows this also i understand the emphasis as these numbers as very general guidelines and that auto regulation is meant to more accurately dictate the loads. Is it tied into the, this allowing natural deloads when needed more than traditional standards demand? I would answer first right away. Yeah. That there, you can sort of plug in those deloads in the sense that you would decrease the intensity. Can I comment a lot of those numbers and volumes and percentages were based off world-class athletes yes, too. That's it's yeah. not like, you start here at these numbers like you build this was a lot of those numbers were based off Haley, jake dj sam like we're world class literally full-blown world class yeah the the to answer that question as simply as i can is the the other the other thing is is that we use so many variations that inside the program that that intensity will be high but the perception of intensity is not as high if you're using something like just using a muscle snatch for an example. Yeah. If I'm if I'm used to snatching basically every day, let's say I'm on a traditional Bulgarian program and I'm snatching and clean and jerking every day or doing, you know, snatch and heavy back squats every single day. If you come on to our system, you might snatch and clean and jerk and back squat on Sunday, but on day 2, you might do, you know, a high hang power snatch and then split jerks off the boxes and then, you know, clean pulls. So like the, the variations there change the load from the clean gets totally diminished. Cause you're only doing split jerks. You know, let's say you're doing a high hang power snatch. Well, that's pretty easy, short range of motion. It's not, it's a very fast movement and you're not going to be able to overload it tremendously high because it's a power snatch. So that's where to answer that. That's where I think that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that that comes into play. It's very clever in how it lets you go heavy. Yeah. And I would say, too, one of the things that could be mentioned there is those variations create this technical mindset where it becomes incredibly technique-driven and just real short of it. The variations make the movements harder, makes the body have to think more and, and respond in ways where... I don't know. There's tiers of what you could do from a variation, like tier one power, tier two, no foot power, tier three, high hang, no foot power or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yep. And it complicates the movement in more ways that, you know, you have to process it. What did Jake call those? Is that, is that what he called that? I, you talked about tiers or something like that. That's like why the, I used it. Yeah, I, was, I kept thinking like the double whammy, but it, he, he had a good term for it. 
yeah like the you could call it um double variation it was a double yeah variation. double variation yeah. triple variation yeah. however you do it but like you can stack variations on now there's a you put too many you're overdoing yeah, it yeah you get a little overblown but like two like, two like a, a lot of time incline yeah double bounce banded <laughs> one and a quarter one yeah one and a quarter Bench. Yeah, there's so much fun to like write out. It's fun. Here, here's a video of it. Yeah, <laughs> there is a video of that exercise. Too. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> All right, um, Reddit cable otherwise, three thousand three hundred thirty high garage strength. I was watching one of the videos, and you said you don't think the deadlift is good for sports performance, and that better alternatives are the Olympic lifts, snatches, and cleans, and pools as well in there i train my legs twice a week once for absolute strength and once for speed strength power my routine for the power day is back squats power clean split squats and nordic hamstring curls my absolute strength day is the exact same with rdls instead of power cleans my question arises because the way i see it some form of the deadlift is absolutely necessary for absolute strength and the ollie lifts only work for the impulse days and not the absolute strength days so what are some deadlift alternatives on an absolute strength day Wait, all i could come up with were clean his day uh, my absolute strength um is the exact same with rdls instead of power clean so what was the other one uh power day is back squats so his absolute strength day would be back squats RDLs, split squats, and Nordic hamstring curls is what it sounds like. He just gets rid of the power cleans. I think you have the assumption that absolute strength doesn't involve Olympic lifts. Yeah. Okay, well, so so to answer him. So what are some dead to an absolute All I could come up with were cleans. Well, clean pull, snatch pulls. Yeah, clean pull, snatch pull, snatch pull from a podium. Yeah, uh, to a target. RDL. I like, that's the other thing. Snatch RDL is a good lift. You know, clean pull, clean RDL is a good lift. Dumbbell RDL is a good lift. Um yeah, I I would also just say that replacing the I would legitimately argue that first of all think about I'm saying specifically a conventional deadlift or a sumo deadlift. That's when I say that I that's what I'm talking about. A conventional dead or a sumo dead. And I would replace those with single leg squats. Like you want to target the posterior chain, do it in a unilateral position that will light up your glutes, your hammies, your trunk. Well, they say they do that. Okay. That's what the, I think. Well, I would push the load because I think squat, they just said split squats. Split squats. Oh, I just assumed that was a single leg. So, I mean, I would just make the argument. I, I, I hey, Just stick with it. Just toe the, hold the line, Dane. Hold the door, Hoder. There, yeah, all right. Yeah, like deadlifts. I, no, like yeah. you. D I, I, I don't. Dude, we don't do them. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Come here, and we just don't do them. You pull every day, though. Yeah, we do a pull. We do a power or a snatch or a single, like a, a one box. And the accessories are very pull yeah. oriented too. A lot of our, yeah, that's the other thing. Like our accessories are basically all pulls. Like it's all posterior chain work. Yeah. But we don't deadlift. Like. We deadlift if if you're general fitness. We deadlift if like and you could argue too the intensity's up because the speed's up so much too. Yeah. And it's you know, it's not saying it's wrong or right. It's just like, hey, if we want to get down in the weeds, if you will, where the insects lie and Maybe all the, the answer might say like a box squat, like a like a fourteen inch box. Okay. Or twelve inch box. Jason's talking to me, everyone in the listening audience. Yeah. 
14 years of training Jason did with Dane. And he Very never consistent. did a deadlift. And, dude, he never probably deadlifted. could deadlift over 500 pounds. He could like, deadlift way more than that. No, you couldn't. Like, dude, you jerked over 200 pounds. So, Dane, when I started. Or 200 kilos. Shit, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when I started. Jason's like, 200 pounds. Just another quick anecdote. <laughs> I think my deadlift went up 60 pounds without deadlifting when I started That's training garage point. strength. And like the first time I deadlifted 500 pounds, I ran a 5k with half of it running backwards. I was, it was CrossFit. Like I literally did a CrossFit hero watt. It may not be a 5k, but you run like 800 meters backwards, 800 meters forward. And like you cycle, it's some type of, yeah. it was a running wad like that. And then we had 15 minutes after fin or like to work, to, a max dead. to work to a max dead. And I was able to deadlift 500 after doing that. Dude, my personal example is that I front squatted every single day for two and a half years right and it's like my deadlift went up like 150 pounds and i did not touch the deadlift for those two years yeah it's like if if i deadlifted every day for two and a half years my front squat wouldn't move it would not move so like it shows you on the rung right there it should be lower yeah so why i wouldn't want to waste time in the ascension phase on a movement that doesn't transfer well. We have to be as precise as possible when we're figuring out the lifts. Like, we can't waste energy doing something. I'm not saying it's a bad lift. Like, I'm saying that for sports performance, it is a bad lift because it doesn't transfer well. And it's not using parabolic periodization. Correct. Like, that's... But we do a lot of pulls. Yeah. A shit ton of pulls. All the pulls. So... Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Masters of Sport. Again, brought to you by Peak Strength, Garage Strength Equipment. Thank you to my co-host, two-time world champion co-author of the year, Earl Kunkel. Until next time, peace. Later.